Oscar Poker. In the cab, my friends on the beach side, back in my Jeep and head for the streets. Eyes a little hazy, head was booming. Clear result of all the liquor we were consuming. After doubling back to recover my phone, we finally made it back to Van City, our home. Touched at the airport, shook him as dad as I say farewell to mom and dad. In the waiting room, lady calls my flight. Listen to Bob O'Reilly, I'm flying tonight. Realizing high school ain't coming back, thousand miles away. We're done with that. Most of our phone as I ponder this, my high school life. I would truly miss, but all this bliss is gone to flash. I arrive in London with my passport cash. Meet up with my buddy whose eyes are lit. We about to embark on a grand Euro trip. We hop on a plane going insane. As we begin to kite up in the south of Spain. Naked girls from in the water, I lay in the sand. Turn to my buddy and I stretch my hand. Give him the fist, my man, it comes to me quick. Holy shit, life's way too sick. It's a teenage wasteland out there. Live it up, live it up, live it. Party hard like no one would care. Live your life, live your life, live it. Gaze at the stars. Shoot for them too. Nobody can tell you what to do. When all fall out, you start to die. Baby, don't. Hello. Hey. Hi. Hey, hey. What's up, guys? Hey, Phil. Hi. So, have you hey. seen Hunger Games, Phil? No, no. I always wait. I'll. I'm going at midnight on. Uh, th- well, yeah, midnight Friday, technically, whatever. Um, I have my tickets already. Because the, uh, the screenings that they had last night were packed with uh, regular folks. I mean, you know, they do that. So it's not like you're lacking or you're not uh, absorbing the films with a fan base. I mean, there's there's definitely uh, uh, maybe more than half people that that uh, attended it were, um, were were not media, at least in my screening. Yeah, but I mean, they're still not paying, right? They're they're getting in for free. No, yeah, they're not paying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that. That's still there's still a difference there. I mean, right. there's still a, a sense of entitlement, and I I just like the atmosphere of it. I mean, you know, my my local multiplex they'll probably sell out the entire, yeah. you know, theater, sixteen screens. Right. Um, you can't. It's it's just cool to be a part of that. That's that's the way I prefer to, you know, catch it. And and it, it it's also too. I don't want to be biased. Um, you know, heading into the, the prediction. Well, uh, let me we'll tell you. Um, I was um. Detecting, you know, you can always feel what a room is doing as a film is playing. You can always feel it. You can feel if people are being affected by certain events and certain plot turns and emotional, you know. And uh, you can feel when people are certainly, you can I certainly felt last night that people were giving it, it their full attention. Okay. They were watching very, very closely because I, many, many people. I went with my friend Svetlana, and her son Vladi has read all three books, and he and his friends are going to go on Thursday. And I could just sense everybody was totally attuned to the uh, book, and so they were watching very carefully. I swear to God, this movie was not happening. Uh-oh. Really? <laughs> uh, it was not happening. It's so hard to get a good gauge, isn't it? I mean, it's like. Nowadays, well, with all the voices on Twitter, lifted. You can feel when people are like aroused. You know, <clears throat> there's a kind of a yeah, do it. You know, uh, this is happening. We like this. You know, this is getting us. You know, when people are sort of lifted out of their seats just a little bit, when there's a little bit of a of a current in the room, you can just sense it. I've, I've sensed it in the middle of the Bourne films. You know, I, I can sense this stuff. 
people were just sitting there. They were just kind of going, yeah. uh, uh-huh. I don't think it's meant for that type of audience, though, Jeff. I think I think I have to ask Phil, but isn't it for, like, tweener girls? Isn't that the target audience here? No, I mean, this This to me feels like a full-on, you know, four-quadrant thing. I mean, and, and if the numbers are indica- any indication, yeah, it's going to be. I mean, this hits... This is supposed to be hitting everybody. Um, this is a hate letter to uh, from uh, Gen Y and uh, and young Gen X to uh, boomers about you're using us, you're exploiting us. We're going to war for you. We're we're taking part in these. We're trying to struggle, and you're exploiting us, and you're living in your elite. It's like the boomers have all the money and all the opportunity and all this debt that we have. In college, you know, it's fuck you, boomers. That's I, that's what I feel it is, and it's a uh, and it's um, it's a good current to tap into because, you know, the, the 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 spoils of the world have been eaten up by the older Gen Xers and the boomers, and I think that uh, that's a really ripe thing to tap into. That's a, that's why it's uh, partly popular, but it's also a you know a female uh, uh, emotional you know love story and 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 it's like a gladiatorial thing, a little bit of a Spartacus thing going on. So it's uh, it's all a pretty big, pretty intense package, but it uh, is not emotionally engaging. It's one of the ugliest films I've ever sat through. Um, it's one of them uh, profoundly irritating from a visual standpoint. It was shot by Tom Stern, who's shot many of the Eastwood films, including J. Edgar and uh, and uh, the uh, Hereafter and some others. Uh, it's it's like all close-ups. You know, I mean, I was driven mad by the photography. It's almost all close-ups, and it just—it really, basically, it's the first act is CG, uh, you know, in the Metropolis and uh, ridiculous kind of Terry Gilliam-esque costumes worn by the elites. Everybody's got this flamboyant manner and ridiculous hairstyles, and you know, it's all kind of cheap satire about look how empty and shallow and perverse these people are, and they're exploiting these these kids and having them fight to the death for their own amusement as a way of controlling the population, and you know, the way the you know. The way the um, elimination uh, reality games uh, go, mm-hmm. and then the second act and the third act is just like let's go to the South Carolina, the North Carolina woods, with Steven Soderbergh doing second unit photography, and then we're just going <laughs> to hang out in the woods and just watch everybody sort of kind of hunt each other down with knives and bones. Steven Soderbergh, how <laughs> you talking about like Che, right? <laughs> oh, I'll tell you, Che was a beautiful film, uh, uh, one of the most. I mean, I love both of those films. This has the, the photography sucks. It really sucks. I mean, I was mm. like, this is really shit. I mean, I haven't seen. Do um, you remember? Uh, were you old enough to remember TV movies back in the seventies and the early eighties when they were still like TV movies? They, they used to always do close-ups all the time. I mean, really intense close-ups. Yeah. This is nothing but close-ups, man. I mean, there's hardly any. Uh, there's no handsome uh, framing to any of it. Oh dear. Uh, the CG looks totally like CG, which means it's shit CG. The, the good CG it makes you think uh, that you're watching maybe something that might be real. You kind of go with it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not even close. It's, it's really, really a drag. Well, didn't um, James Rocky say something really flattering about it on Twitter? Um, who did? He said that on, it's on Box Office. That's our review. Yeah, he said it's the best sci-fi movie since Matrix, which... James God bless him. That's going to be all over the place. And, uh, it, it's really uh, off the reservation. He really is. <laughs> and I, I, I know what I'm talking about here. I'm, and this is a mediocre film at best. It's a. It might be. It you know they've touched on. Um, Svetlana knows the book 
very well, and it covers many of the uh, or most of the salient points. It, it, you know, it tells the story that it's trying to tell, and it it really essentially it's a trilogy, and we are and and there's a uh, kind of a twilighty uh, two boyfriends. Which boyfriend do I love the oh, most? God. That happens in part two, and number three. Which is uh, they're all they're, apparently I, I was reading there, there's four of them so like the Twilight films they're going to split up the the last one into two parts the, the uh, last one is going to be all about revolution you know the uh, the uh, the exploited uh, you know fighting against the the elite ruling class so hmm. well uh, T Bone Burnett did the music it looks like that's cool nothing uh, cool about it in my book I did not feel the music. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. you're such a spoil sport, Jeff. <laughs> Jennifer you're Lawrence. totally raining on my parade here. No, I'm just kidding. I don't really care, but I, I do like that there are these tweener girl movies that are out, like Snow White and the Huntsman's coming out. That's great. You know, I like that they're they're aiming finally at the young girls. You know, who the young fan girls? They're they're a. You know, yeah, I, I would yeah, imagine I mean, that they've got deep a, pockets and money to burn, just like the boys. Sorry, go ahead. A medieval guy with uh, with with chest plates and swords and on trusty steeds, thundering down pathways in the forest. Boy, you really want to watch out for Kristen Stewart. Here she comes with her, you know, five foot five inch frame and you know, swinging a sword. Man, I'm, uh, you know, this is this is this is just. You know, are, are you are you a thirteen year old girl though? Yeah, but you know, um, not every movie is designed for Jeff Wells. Thirteen-year-old girls or fourteen-year-old girls or seventeen-year-old girls. I believe that Jennifer Lawrence is 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 one tough uh, 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 contender, though. She's tough and she's in good shape, and she's uh, she's not tiny and elf-like. She's um, she's like five nine or something like that. I've oh wow. But I'll tell you, the guy Josh Hutchinson, who you know from the kids are all right, Mm -hmm. the, the son. He's too little for her. <laughs> she has to lean over to hug him. You know, it's like you know, he's like five five or five six, something like that. He's not a tall guy, hmm. and she is bigger than he is. And it's yeah. just odd that they chose to have them be the. I mean, I was asking Svetlana and her son, is he described as a somewhat smaller, uh, you know, not quite her physical equal, kind of like her little brother in a sense. Um, <laughs> Hey, but so she's an Amazon. That's cool. That works for me. Say um, again? She's an Amazon. Well, you know, she's not the planet big. of the super powerful she's women. Sturdy, cool. She's a sturdy, tough hombre. You know, you can tell right away she she can handle herself. So why not have a smaller guy? It's not like every time you're with a guy that you're, you know, he's he bigger than well, you. You know perfectly well, Sasha, that when I know, Jeff, I'm just playing blood, devil's advocate. They prefer to have guys that are a little bigger than them. They certainly. Yeah. Uh, They'll go with somebody who's the same size, but forget smaller. You know what movie that really bothered me in, and I seem to be the only one, is uh, The English Patient. Like, I thought Ray Fiennes was just too sort of frail for Kristen uh, Scott Thomas. I didn't think that he was up. Her face is wider. She seemed like, you know, especially since the book was all about how much bigger the guy was than her, you know. And um, I just felt like they were really mismatched physically. 
But she's not a huge woman. She's a, she's pretty stocky, and he was pretty frail. I mean, if they had the Rafe Fines from Schindler's List, it would have been better. But he was, you know, his but face was her. thinner I've than her. her. She's not stocky. She's... She comes across as blocky on film in that movie. And I know your readers will disagree. I've never met anyone who agrees with me on that. But it was my first thought when I saw the movie, and it's bugged me ever since. But... I don't know that it's going to bother me in The Hunger Games, which I suppose I'll see, even though I never read the book, so I have no idea what it's about. My daughter um, read them, um, and she's 13. She seems to be a pretty good indication of someone who would be interested in seeing it, and she's not. she doesn't really care. You know, it's weird. Uh, Sasha, just take uh, 20 minutes and read the Wikipedia page and read the uh, the summaries of the movies and the differences and the... Well, I, I know, yeah, I know the plot from her telling me it as she read that, you know, and talking to me about it. I know I know the basics, but I'm just saying I didn't read the books. I, I hear they're great, you know. Um, I, the, well, the character... Uh, well, what, we have to try and ask, uh, you know, these... The, the, the reason that books engage is that they're... Is not what they're about plot-wise. It's about what they're, what they're saying to people in a, in a metaphorical, thematic sense. And yeah, people are clearly seeing this as it's a generational thing that, you know, we are being fucked with and exploited and treated like shit by the older people, by the haves. And, um, and we have been. They have been. The, the, the gen, uh, gen, you know, boomers. This is not a novel observation here. This this is what I think is 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 um, is why it it means something to to people that have read it because they feel that this is a metaphor for what they're going through hmm. in our culture right now. Hmm. And you're both sitting there. You couldn't. I, you're flatlining. <laughs> I think we need to go to box office, but I I, yeah, right. I disagree with you fundamentally in that I don't I don't sense that um, mood coming out of uh, my daughter's generation at all. I mean, they're born oh. and bred consumers. All they're thinking about is Facebook and what's the next toy on the market. You know, it, I don't get this this malaise, this kind of um, general frustration with the way things are. I see that in the adult community more so than with the kids. Look, I I feel it very acutely from my. 23 and 22 year old sons they are they feel like they've been so fucked by the by but they're but yeah i agree but they're not hunger games uh target yes they are really vladi who's um going with his friends and they all know it really well this is svetlana's son he's a little older he's like 27 wow so it's not just 13 year old girls it's hard for me to imagine it being aimed at those kind of people really it's tough but i'll go i'll I'll defer to you guys since you know better than me but when i look at the hunger games i think you know snow white and the huntsman um twilight i think about that target audience girls it's both i mean it doesn't have to be one or the other you know do you you not know people in their 20s who are uh readers of it who are older than Sasha's daughter? Do you not have people uh, friends no. who are, you know? Yeah, well, my girlfriend just finished reading the book um, because her sister read it, and they're both in their mid-twenties. Right. Uh, so, yeah, the, the interest is absolutely there with, you know, my age group. Um, yeah. You know, and it's 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 palpable. I mean, this this thing is going to be beyond huge. When you, when you look at a, you know, a first installment of a franchise, and you're talking about it's going to make more than $100 million its opening weekend, that's insane because, you, you know, you still have two more movies. Well, probably, you know, based on what you're saying, Jeff, three more movies. Um, 
four. This is gonna be, but yeah, three yeah. more on top of this. Four altogether. Yeah, four total. Yeah, I mean, so the the Twilight comparisons don't even work anymore. This is going to be bigger than Twilight. Um, and, and the main reason that's the case is that it's very simple. Guys are going to show up. That's it. Um, you know, Twilight was heavily female, and this is going to hit both genders. Todd um, McCarthy was writing about how he felt that, you know, so many, uh, so much of it is shot. There's so many uh, quick shots of everything. They don't let you really uh, bask on anything except for one, a couple of CG shots where they want to, you know, where people are, uh, there's a, there are some huge panoramas of the capital city. But um, it is uh, infuriating, really. I would say the word infuriating is not an inappropriate term to use for the close-ups that they use. And the way they, uh, the way the DP, again, his name is Tom Stern, who's a somewhat older guy in the 60s. He's been around. Uh, he was told to kind of bob and weave with the camera, you know, bump it, you know, don't, don't, a try for smoothness. Go for the opposite end. Try and uh, simulate, uh, you know, a kind of a raw, rough, uh, uh, scatter shot uh, camera work. Mm-hmm. Anyway. He's a great cinematographer, Tom Stern. Well, you've never seen him look like this. He's never done anything like this. I mean, Clint stuff. You know, like he, he shot Gran Torino, completely pleasant film to, to watch i mean there's no it doesn't oh, call it's great. changeling is so beautifully shot yeah i yeah. mean god um so but so are you enough? saying jeff that it's not a good movie is that what you're saying saying that it's a, a very rote telling of the story but it's not as bad as twilight and no i i sorry but i happen to believe that the first Twilight really, really worked for you from an emotional standpoint. I understood Catherine Hardwick, I think, did an excellent job with the first Twilight. When I came out of it, I was really surprised. I said, listen, this isn't my cup. And But I respect this film because it understands, uh, you know, what's going on with these books and the whole thing about, uh, about a powerful boyfriend who will take care of you and it's not necessary, and, and, and oh, yet God. there's no sex because he's a vampire <laughs> and all that. That was that oh, was it's the worst fun. flashbacks. The second, <laughs> I see all the those movies; they were so awful. bad. Once, once, once uh, Taylor Lautner got into it, and the whole werewolf thing that I just oh, uh, Taylor Lautner, oh, horrible, oh God, every the first one of them. One was decent, Sasha. It really was. It was I, watchable. The other, well, the others weren't, but. Um, but I hope that, that Hunger Games is better. I'm really in the mood for a good summer action look, movie. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a good film. It's just an okay film, it's a, and it's terribly shot. And it just is a drag to watch. It's just a bunch of, um, yeah, it's just, you know, cutting back and forth between the manipulative producers of the show, you know, uh, like Survivor. You know, imagine it as a big Survivor, except it's violent. And it's uh, and it involves, uh, you know, hand-to-hand combat and bows and arrows and knives and that kind of thing. Uh, but they're, uh, they're, all the kids are supposed to be against each other. It's every man for himself because there's only one person of all the kids from all the various uh, uh, districts who are fighting each other. And whoever comes out on top at the end is the victor. So what's the people. what's the rough idea? Is this one of these like you die when you're thirty things? Or? No, no. There, it's it's uh, the Hunger Games are kind of a metaphor for punishing the various districts, which are what North America has been broken up into, not states but districts. And there has been, there was a rebellion. This is kind of a post-apocalyptic ruined world. Mm-hmm. The districts had 
attempted some sort of rebellion or revolution against the elites. And they and this is a way of punishing and reminding them that they must be kept in their place. And and it's also a way of distracting the populace from the nitty-gritty day-to-day uh, disappointments of life, just the way television and sports distract people from their lives. And they basically choose two kids from each district to go out and fight in these games, which are happened uh, happened inside a, a wooded forest area in which there are hundreds of little remote cameras catching it, and people watch it on television. And uh, they and basically, it's just who's going to be the the champion at the end. But mm-hmm. it's a way of. Uh, but there's not a, 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 a one one expression of remorse or or conflicted emotionality about about this. Um, about using people and, and seeing these kids die as a, as, a, as a ritual. Everybody is so jaded, and it's, you know, it's, it reminds me of uh, Terry Gilliam's Brazil. Did you guys ever see oh, that one? Oh, sure. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Remember how grotesque everybody is? Uh, there, well, many people are in that film. Not Robert De Niro's character, in the, and, but there are some that have a grotesque look to Well, there's a flamboyant grotesquerie going. It's kind of like Logan's Run, that, that vibe, if you remember that one with Michael York. Sure. Soylent Green, yeah, Logan's Run. I love all those. <laughs> it's a it's a cheap looking film. It's not some, you know. It's it's it just doesn't have that. There's some films that are so well composed and they're so richly done. It's kind of just a trip to just watch them, just absorb the the uh, the, the production design and the and the. And it just looks so great and sounds so great. You kind of just just on a scene to scene basis without the thread of it, but just the way it looks. This does not have uh, that that element. It's not engaging on a visual level at all. Dear. Basically, just running around the woods, people killing each other, and it's not that great, really. So it's just all right, you know. It's really about the um, the kid who um, Jennifer Lawrence uh, pet pet. His name is um, sorry, uh, pet Peter Peter uh, that Josh Hutchinson plays, and they have this. They don't want to kill each other because they they have a crush on each other. They kind of love each other. And uh, that's the uh, that's. The and he's the little thing. dwarf man. <laughs> he's a little guy. He's not big, you know. He's cute. He's good looking. He's got, got, you know. But it's it's like they chose a guy who's clearly smaller than she is, and it just seems kind of a little funny, you know. Because and she's also, uh, she, you know, they initially choose her sister to be the combatant from their district, and her sister's, we are told, seems to be some sort of. Uh, retarded or lame girl who can't really fend for herself. And so Katniss Everdeen takes her volunteers to take her place because she doesn't want her sister to go through this. She would never survive. And uh, there's this whole thing about they have, she has to sort of, to survive, they have to go out and she has to kill game. I was asking everybody, what is the problem with growing vegetables? Why don't they do that? Doesn't that make uh, sense? Nobody can really answer me. There's something about this is a post-apocalyptic, ruined world in which maybe the minerals and the soil have been destroyed and therefore plants don't grow. I don't know what it mm. is. It's not very well sketched out. There's probably a lot more. I'm sure that everything's worked out in the, uh, in the books. Have you yeah, read it doesn't it? sound like they're doing a lot of exposition. It's more like they're, they're playing to the people who've already seen the movie. I mean, read the books. Oh, they, yeah, well, they have to... They, I, I, I was able to follow it, but, you know, I mean, Billy Ray was did the screenplay, Suzanne Collins, mm-hmm. who, of course, is the author of the books, 
and Gary Ross himself uh, have a, has a co-screenplay credit. So they just had to, you know, uh, movies are necessarily a whittling down of, of uh, you know, you have to kind of prune out the the, the, the fat. So. Yeah, yeah. Special effects, are they good? No. No. No, they're not. I mean, there isn't any special effects, really. It's just there's a there are flying uh, uh, hovercraft units uh, that, that fly over the, the forest and kind of uh, to make sure that uh, kids are not... Uh, Hunting, you're not supposed to hunt in the forbidden area of the forest. Chatness does this because she feels that they need she needs to kill deer and whatever she can to bring back to her family. Yeah, you know, it sounds to me like uh, the really good um, sci-fi movies of the 70s, like Alien and um, Blade Runner, where it's like it's low-tech sci-fi, you know? Well, and I if think that's that the case, Runner's that's going to be rad. I mean, it it's definitely deconstructs this whole notion of the Michael Bay special effects movie, you know. But, it's, but wait a minute, Sasha, Blade Runner's big, uh, uh, it, it's, it's big cachet. It's, it's, it's big it's, cachet, but it's low tech. It's grunge, grunge sci-fi. Yeah, but it's grungy and it's rainy and it's stinky and smelly, but it's a beautiful uh, composition. Every frame is magnificent. It's got this uh, Well, sure, density. it's Ridley Scott, bro. But <laughs> talking about... Uh, you know, Alien is such a great movie to sink into because it takes its time and it's, it's yeah. you know, nothing is glossy yeah. and shiny. Everything Believe is dirty. Believe me, this is a B movie that just skips, skims along the surface. It's just, okay, we've got this movie. Let's get to the plot points. You know, let's uh, invest, get everybody to invest in Katniss Everdeen. And Jennifer Lawrence is, she, she's been told to kind of like look at uh, and be kind of stunned at how appalling it, the, this world that she lives in. And to be emotionally shocked and, and and excited and alarmed at what what's happening, but it's maybe two expressions she's asked to. Oh God, that's awful. <laughs> so, Phil, are you telling me that this is going to be a hundred million dollar weekend coming up here? That's the general consensus. I mean, right now <clears throat> we're at one hundred fifteen million, and we're putting our final prediction out tomorrow. But I don't think we're going to stray too far from that. Um, you know, all the signs are there. This is, and, and I don't even mean the, uh, you know, the Facebook and Twitter stuff anymore, which is right. huge, but it doesn't represent concrete, yeah, anything concrete yet. Right. Um, you know, there, it's, the, the Fandango sales are off the charts. It's insane for a first really? you know, entry into the thing. Yeah, th- th- thousands of shows already sold out. Um, you know, people, they're adding 3 a.m. shows to it. Wow! So, yeah, it's it's there. You know, the interest levels are are very high, and, and it's both um, both genders. It has to be if you if you have that, and and I also think it has to be people who haven't read the book um, are also interested in it. It's and like what you said: summer in and March, right? That's what we had. I mean, the, every weekend in March had basically a, a summer level release. Um, some of them didn't pan out like John Carter, but it's been, you know, 21 Jump Street, Lorax, John Carter, and now Hunger Games. That that looks like June or July. Right, um, weird. So, yeah, it's... Which is what the industry's been calling for for a while. I mean, it doesn't matter when a movie comes out. People are... If they're interested, people are going to show up. Um, so why compete in the summer if you don't have to? Lionsgate is mm. brilliant for putting this movie out in March um, because the, the common, you know thought process is that if you have something that's a blockbuster well then it has to open between you know either may or july or november and december or it's not a blockbuster but that doesn't have to be the case and you know this is going to prove that 
That's so interesting. So, Why do you think that, that things have changed so much so that you can open a blockbuster now instead of waiting till summer? Well, we're getting away from groupthink. You know, in, in the whole idea of uh, it's a it's really a pissing contest, really. I mean, everybody, you know, all the studios want to have the number one summer blockbuster and the number one, you know, holiday entry. Hmm. Um, and, and they just end up cannibalizing and, and you know, killing each other, hurting each other. Um, you know, because you open a movie in the summer and it's you got something right in front of it and something coming right after it. You're you're always going to be sandwiched in between, you know, two big films. Here, it's, you know, The Hunger Games basically has a market to itself. I mean, it's going to, you know, 21 Jump Street and Lorax are, are still out there kicking around, but they're not doing anything, you know, significant enough to put a damper on this. It's mm. just wide open, and it's it's going to be gigantic. Um Wow. So, How gigantic, ultimately? Well, you know, the good reviews that are out there, and, uh, you know, at least from what I'm hearing from fans, I mean, this looks like something that's going to have staying power. This is something that, you know, people might go to see two, three times in theaters, well, which is... Can I just interject here? It's not just yeah. me. There's a critic that I had some words with last night who has seen it. He believes that this film is DOA as far once the word gets out on it. Oh no! no. I don't believe that. this is yeah. this is the New York LA thing, Jeff. I'm I'm sorry, but it's it's not like it's not what the rest of the country is feeling right now, and it's not what they're going to feel. That's that's why I don't go to screenings. They, if you let that mindset seep into you, you're going to think it's like you know it's like when Pauline Kael wrote about you know why did. Um, how did Nixon win the election? Nobody I knew voted for. You know that. Yeah, that's that was, what happens. You know. That's hmm. one of the that's funniest lines she ever wrote. Nobody I know voted yeah. for him. How did he? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and, you and saw... that's what the critics are going to be saying. You know, why? Why? Why, the, why is Hunger Games so successful? No one it's I a, know. Yeah, but it's it. a very, a very unexceptional, uh, mediocre film that has really nothing that lifts you up and makes you glad to be a moviegoer. It makes you, it doesn't nourish you. It doesn't. You just feel this is, you know, I mean, I think you really have to have the investment before you see the film. If you've read it, if you believe in this thing, if you see something, I mean, it's more than what Sasha thinks it is. It's not just a 14-year-old girl. This is a under-30 thing in general, I think. So. Yeah, I just it's hard for me to imagine that with the character's lead character's name being Katniss. It's just hard for me to imagine that uh, Well, it's under-30s. Largely, I, I mean, are we really talking about, you know, extended childhood now going that far you know into your 30s it's really hard for me to imagine but i will reserve judgment until i see it for myself but i i mean because to me it's a tweener girl book the hunger games or maybe even tweener boys you know maybe it is boys and girls but it's so hard for me to get my mind around the fact that it's adult books that people in the, in the adult world actually read this stuff you know but it's cool sci-fi. Everybody likes sci-fi, right? There's no age limit on sci-fi. If it is indeed a real... It's a sci-fi with a girl in the lead, right? So it's a twist on something familiar. But I guess I'm thrown because it feels Twilighty. you know? It just does, but but uh, I hope not. Well, I think it feels Twilighty mostly because just people are making a superficial comparison there and, and saying that, you know, the, the Twilight saga is on its way out now. We need, you know, the quote-unquote next Twilight. Right. Um, and other than that, I don't, I don't think the comparison really flies um, because, like I said, it's going to be this. This could approach closer to Harry Potter levels in terms mm. of just like, well, not, you know, it's not going to be a billion. I don't think it'll quite 
it's not going to hit. Let me. I don't want to like get, be misquoted here. I mean, basically, if you, if you had a, a spectrum and one of it is Twilight and the other is Harry Potter in terms of grosses, right. I would bet that this is going to be closer to the the Harry Potter end. Of oh, the you spectrum. think it's that big? Not, yeah, not quite there. You know what I mean? Like, but you know, it, it, it would be in the past the middle point on, on that spectrum because right. it it just hits you know way more demographics than than Twilight ended up doing. And I you know I'm interested now to see whether this is going to affect the last Twilight movie because, you know, maybe that audience will will finally grow up and say, right. oh, no, we don't care about the Twilight movies anymore. Hunger Games is cool now. That's what we want to go see, and that's what speaks to us. Maybe so, um, but I'm ashamed to admit that a lot of the women when I saw the Twilights were all, you know, older women. <laughs> I'm so well, sorry yeah, they, what do they call them, the Twilight moms? Or they, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, they, <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. God, and they're like, Team Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> but um okay so great so sounds yeah. like a good good um early you know summer movie spring spring is the new summer am i am i like invisible here did you, did you hear what i was saying what are you talking you just about? sit quietly in the corner jeff this isn't for you no i'm just kidding jeff the We're thing is is you're saying place. something that no one else is saying that's oh, why great. It's... it sounds like a good summer movie let's do it yeah <laughs> did you hear what i said i'm not lying to you I'm no, not, I know, but, but, like, but, but I don't think that you're the, you are the target audience for this. I really don't. I don't think it's your kind of movie. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that. Well, then again, I guess if it's... I'm trying to make a point that I recognized and respected the first Twilight film. And I'm perceptive enough to understand when a film on its own terms and it understands what it is doing within that realm. That realm of Twilight had a certain quality that I believe, that I respected. Now, I didn't like it as much at all This in the number two and three and four. But the first one, and I, I'm telling you, I, I understood what that thing was about. I, I said, you know, this is not up my alley, but I understand what it's doing. I respect it. This is not anywhere near as good as mm. the first Twilight. It just isn't. It's well, not Jeff, as good as the first Twilight. How many, how many movies do you see in theaters a year, if you had a, a ballpark figure? Well, I, I go to at least one or two a week. Okay, so that averages out. That's at least a hundred a year. Jesus. So that, and that's about what I'm at too. I I keep a list. So it's a it's a different reaction. This is the kind of movie that plays to people who go four or five times a year. They're not as discriminating, and and they'll just they they don't they don't know a close up from a, a wide shot. You know what I mean? It's like that. That's a little simplistic, but they're not going to have the same you know misgivings about the style and. And everything like that. They're, they'll just go with it and it'll be agreeable to them because they don't go to the movies enough to be discriminating. That's it. So you, that's what I have to do on a weekly basis is distance, distance myself from it. Do I think I'm going to love the movie? Probably not. I don't know. It doesn't look like my thing. But I have to just cut that off and say, okay, why is this popular? Right. And it's it's obviously connecting. It's it's doing something right. You know, It's definitely so. connecting. And, and, you know, it's the I, I remember back when, when I used to love to go to the movies back before they started to suck so hard. But um, or maybe my, you know, I changed or maybe you're right. Maybe we just see too many movies and we're too picky, you know. But um, but every, people like to be part of an experience. And it feels like that's sort of the the current must have experience, you know, Hunger Games. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's that's another Look, I'm telling you, I I was sitting there with the crowd. A lot of people stayed to the end. I was watching the credits at the end. People were when it when it when the lights came up. Now, now I'm telling you, this was not 
all media people. They brought in people from a radio thing, and they were just like going, well, I guess so, whatever, you know, all right, let's go get a, you know, there was really that, that, that sense of buzz. You all know what I'm talking about when it's something. Yeah, but, but, um. Phil, discount me again. No, I'm not. I'm just saying Phil is right. Like a screener crowd is in a whole different mindset than someone who goes and pays thirty something bucks for tickets, and then another twenty something at the at the concession stand sits down with a whole bunch of people in the audience, all excited to be there on a fun night out. You know, they're not going to be so judgmental. It's not going to be, oh, this is my, you know, this is my opinion. I'm going to go tweet it. You know, it's, it's more exactly. like yeah. I'm going to go tweet my opinion because my opinion matters. You know, it's like the, these I remember people... what it felt like in the first Titanic screening. I saw it with a bunch of people and um, from the media and everything, but I didn't care about them because I knew that there was an emotional current to that film that was going to really play. This is a hit. I mean, I could feel it when I watched Silence of the Lambs about 20 years ago. This is a hit. No, I'm not saying this isn't going to be a huge moneymaker. It is. But it doesn't have the stuff that people come. It doesn't nourish. It does not uh, well, excite or, or, or make you. It doesn't make your soul kind of sing. You know, it mm-hmm. really doesn't. It just tells the story. Now, again, if you're invested and if you care about this and this is something that you've read and it means something on a personal level, much more than just a girly thing, but, you know, a generational thing. Okay, you know, it's probably going to work pretty well. I mean, yeah. maybe all four films will do great. Who knows? Yeah. But, I mean, the biggest test for me is always walking out of the midnight screening. You learn a lot from that because if a movie can, you know, if, if a movie can keep people up till, you know, 2.30 in the morning or whatever it ends up being, and they walk out and they're energized, watch out. You know, if, if that happens, it's, yeah. it's dangerous. Forget and, it, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll see what happens, you know, this week. And, you know, that's always a huge indicator to me. If that can happen, then the thing's going to stick around and it's going to have legs and the word of mouth is going to be great. And, and you see, you know, because something like this will make a ton of money from midnight shows. You'll see an impact that very weekend now. Right. You know, it's not going to take word of mouth that long to travel. People will be coming out of the midnight shows. They'll either wait till the morning or, or they'll tweet something that night. And then... By the time Friday afternoon rolls around, you know, more people have decided to go see it based on, you know, what the, the word of mouth is. So it's, it's always fascinating. I mean, word of mouth has changed so much mm-hmm. as a result of Facebook and Twitter. It's, right. And it, it's changing every week, really. I mean, it's as more people use it and more people become more active. Um, Are you saying, um, Phil, that people don't give a shit about whether a movie has a current? They just know what the tweet, what their Twitter's. Uh, current is telling them and they just go because they or don't Or not go. Well, you, they're you've too had... stupid to understand if it's good or not. They're just going to, you know... No, it's not that. I mean, it's just their, their definition of an emotional current is much different than yours because you... Why is that? Because I, you've seen I, more I, movies I, and you're, you're, you have a more refined taste. You know what I mean? You're, you're emotional. You know, you get emotional when you watch something like Moneyball or, you know, so, something like that and other people, they, they want to be hit over the head with things because mm. they're not as refined. Uh, their, their taste isn't as refined. And you the know, other thing like, is they watch a lot of TV. between mm-hmm. filet mignon and a hamburger. You know what I mean? It's like it's, it's that simple. Use a food metaphor. <laughs> yeah, but, but, well, but yeah, also... Use they... a food metaphor. You know, Jerry Bruckheimer films, they used to say they were, they, were, they were guy movies, but they were sirloin steak guy movies. They had really good, juicy, tasty... Sirloin steak, fantastic tasting, you know, like a really 
great hamburger with with really great sliced red onions and fresh tomatoes and all that. Mm. I know what you're talking about. I mean, but, this but, is not this is not sirloin steak. It's not a great hamburger. It's just you know, it's a Wendy's burger or something. It's it's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's gross. No, um, you know, uh, you know. By the way, do you know that Wendy's is the second biggest uh, fast food now? It's overtaken Burger King. Jesus, are, getting, are you getting money for this, Sasha? I hope then, if we're, we're going to work in a shameless Wendy's plug. Yeah, really, that's, that's, that's gross. I just happened to read this anecdotally within the last 12 hours, and I was surprised because I've never thought Wendy's is that great a place when I was eating crap food. I mean, I stopped that. But um, have you ever gone to a Wendy's to order anything? I haven't gone since the 80s, but I always, <clears throat> but I hear my mom occasionally say, you know, I got to go to Wendy's. <laughs> but, you know, just back to the thing about movies is that, you know, what I hear people talk about more than movies now is TV. And I think that TV is definitely overshadowing movies that are like quality dramas. You know, when you have movies, when you have shows like Mad Men, Breaking Bad, you know, I mean, this is the stuff people are talking about. This is the stuff they're excited about. They're not necessarily excited about the latest drama that's coming into theaters anymore. They're just not. Whatever Hollywood has done, they've turned audiences off, except for these kind of movies where it's worth spending all that money, taking the time out to go to a movie that's going to give you something back, you know, in this kind of way. Right. Um, well, yeah, that's what's been happening to the, the theatrical experience for for years now. I mean, it's becoming it's becoming more of an event. It's becoming more of a you know specialized experience. Um, it's not as casual as it used to be. You know, before the invention of television or yeah. you know whatever. It's um, you, you think twice before you go to the movies. Um, it, it's not a reflex. So right, and it costs a lot of fucking money. You know, it's like it's it's a hardship. Because it costs a lot of money and because – so we're basically saying I don't really care if it has any real, you know, resonance as our emotional lives on the planet Earth while we're here. Think about it though. Think about it really and honestly. Other than cinephiles who like to see a movie on the big screen and people who are still into going to the movies, which there actually are quite a few adults who still like going to the movies, but – you know, as a date night or whatever or, you know, the the senior citizens totally still go to the movies. But – um. Think about it. If you have a, like your 50-inch flat-screen TV, which is hooked up to, to the internet, you know, to download Netflix movies and, and Vudu or Hoodoo or whatever it's called, I mean, you get, you know, you have everything practically at your fingertips. What is, and, and in a few months, whatever is playing in the theaters is going to be right there. What is going to be the incentive to pull you out of your house and, and make you pay that money? What? And that's what's scary. That really scares me. It scares me, too, for, like, adult dramas and stuff like that. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's really hard because to Because as, as much as people say, well, I got, I got my 50-inch TV and it's got great sound and everything, it, it, it doesn't compare. It's not even close. You know what I mean? It's, mm. You don't have the same communal experience. You don't have, you know, it's, it's not even close in size. The, the sound isn't nearly as good. And yeah. somehow that argument is becoming accepted and it's oh god well what about um records records to digital music i mean there was a time when when everybody had records if you told them that music released would not be in a huge beautiful record album with liner notes and this you know wonderful lovely thing you held in your hand and you put on your shelf like a book and it would just be something you could download and listen to anytime you want they just would go no way that would be such a waste of money who would do that well, here we are at an age where nobody really cares for the liner notes. 
there's really no such thing anymore. <laughs> I mean, every <laughs> once in a while they'll sell a CD where it's like, oh, it's cool to buy the CD, but you know, everybody does digital stuff now, and maybe yeah. movies, beautiful, wonderful movies, are going to be headed that way. Uh, I hope not. Yeah, you know, except for the blockbusters. Well, it's it's you know it's on older generations to instill that love of the, of the theatrical experience in, in yeah. your kids and your younger siblings and everything like that. You know, like Chef right. did it with his kids. Clearly, you know, you're doing it with Emma. That's that's what that's how it survives. it survives. Otherwise, you know, it doesn't. It won't. But Hollywood, they have to start thinking better, making better movies. You know. Um, they just they can't be you know not as good as television movies you know which they're not I mean television shows they're not movies aren't as good as Mad Men Breaking Bad <clears throat> Game Change you know I mean everything on TV is way better than um, what you find so and they have to start they have to start taking more chances uh, with the kind of products they're putting out I think and they're playing it way too safe. Yeah, and, Jeff, and are you just typing away and not listening to our conversation? I'm, I'm, I'm really just because like, honestly, yeah, to this conversation, I just feel like you're, you guys are just, uh, you know, you just feel that somehow the fundamentals of what we need and what we are looking for, we're not. <clears throat> I don't feel like I'm a uh, like I'm part of this conversation. But you weren't listening to what we were saying. We moved off a of Hunger Games. We were talking about the general state of things. You know, and I was talking about the move from albums to digital music, and it was just type, 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 type in the background. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't buy, um, I don't have any vinyl. I don't have any tapes. It's all, I, I love the world that I'm in uh, musically. I feel like I'm more connected to everything that's ever happened, everything that is. I, I love that I can listen to any music that's, that is happening right now, mm-hmm. if I hear about a group that I should, I, I love that I can get it. I know, but that feeds exactly the right argument. Was people love their big flat screen TVs and they love to be able to download anything they want and watch it anytime they want. Where is the incentive to to step out of their house and go pay money to go see a movie? Where is the incentive for that? It's funny, uh, you know, I was you're talking about um, like people love to go to horror, uh, younger people particularly. Uh, did I, I wrote something about how, for the first time in a long time, I watched a, a horror film uh, about uh, a devil, a uh, manifestation of, of Satan himself inside an, an elevator. And uh, that uh, an M. Night, it's called Devil, M. Night Shyamalan. Have mm. you ever watched a horror film alone in a home, in your home, just like you? Yeah, and sure. Guy? Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't ever do it because most of them are not that good. Uh, they're just, and I was surprised how creeped out i was oh like, no really <laughs> I said, wow <laughs> i feel a little funny here you know i started to think about things that might be outside looking at oh <laughs> that's so creepy oh. the last time that happened to me with was with the ring it was the last movie that really scared oh, me yeah exactly same exact uh, thing yes when i watched the ring at home i was a little the the remake. I didn't see the original actually. Ringu. Did you ever see Ringu? No, I didn't. But nope. the 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 remake yeah. was scary. I thought. Yeah. yeah, it was. It worked. You yeah. know, and it's hard for a movie to be really really scary, yeah. but that one was. But uh, uh, yeah, I know people are much more selective, and I and 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 they don't uh, necessarily see the communal thing. But boy, I really uh, felt 
communally excited by the the films that work. They feel great when you see when you see them in optimum conditions with the crowd. Right. I just, you know. But 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 what's what we were saying is just generally speaking. Phil was saying he's really worried about the future of movies and people going out, and I am too. And I'm starting to think that we're going to see an evolution the way we did with music, the unimaginable records being changed to digital. You know, um, don't we think movies are just going to be headed in that direction? And what, what's what's going to be the incentive to make a huge movie like that for the big screen? You know, it's built into us to uh, it's the the first hit is the communal, and then the the um, <clears throat> the um, the assumption is that the secondary films that are considered to be uh, also rands or they get eighties or seventy fives on Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic's. Then you, those are the ones you. Sorry. So, uh, but but yeah, that's the understanding though. Uh, most of us uh, feel that there's the films that you must see uh, communally in a big theater, and there's the ones that you probably would prefer to see uh, uh, with a digital down- download. You know, sixty or ninety days hence. And that's that's just the way we've all come to accept. That's that's the world we live in. Um, I don't mind seeing lots of films digitally direct or, or on, on screeners. Uh, it's okay with me. In fact, I, I think most, don't most of us have uh, reservations about the, the type of people that you see at theaters and the way they behave and the, and the, the noise and the talking and everything. You know, many of us... Yeah, have, you know. sure. But, but if you're talking about the obliteration of that opportunity to see adult films in the multiplex and to only see special effects movies... Yeah. Then you're talking about a pretty serious shift in the way we uh, digest entertainment. And I think it, it is coming. I think it's only a matter of time. You can see it, the writing on the wall. It's so It's so obvious to me. But maybe it'll be another 20, 30 years, but, but that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And especially since all the digital stuff is moving toward handheld, you know? Um, you really think that, that people are going to be routinely seeing films and that's the way they're going to be digested. Yeah. I don't think f- film production is going to stop, but I think digital movies played in theaters for many of them, like the, the new Nicole Kidman, Philip Kaufman movie uh, with Clive Owen about Hemingway, right to HBO. Uh, that's a movie that in my day, in the 80s, that would have been a feature film. And... Um, well, I, frankly, when I saw that thing, I said, this is an HBO film. It well, it would have been a feature film if it was Philip Kaufman and Nicole Kidman and Clive Owen. That's just what the way it would have been in the 80s. It, I know that HBO wasn't what it was then, but you see where it's going. You can see yeah. it from a mile away. And Tribeca Films just announced that they're, they're um, streaming three of their mo- premieres, um, VOD, right? And uh, the, the, the latest Adrian Brody movie is coming out, Video On Demand. I mean, it's just... It feels like that's the direction it's all going to go in for that kind of movie. But for movies like The Hunger Games, it's always going to be you have to pay money to go see it in the big the- big screen. Doom and gloom. Wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. Do you agree with that, Phil? Or do you think that I'm just I'm crazy and that that's not how it's going? Yeah, unfortunately, I do. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to happen overnight. I, I do think it's going to take longer but you have to just look at the difference between you know even the way my generation views you know movies and how how movies should be consumed and then you know how the the generation under us looks at it and and they're already you know 
relying on watching things online. That's that's what they do. Yeah. That's, that's that's right. the reflex. So if you look at it in that in those terms, it's it's very scary. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I don't want to see the theatrical experience go away. That's and I don't think it will anytime soon. But you're you're right. The the inevitability of it seems to be there. Uh, yeah. It seems to be kind of lurking in the background, unfortunately. So. Right. Yeah. And on that depressing note. We've run our course here. <laughs> yeah, I think I we've run our course. Yeah. I don't. I don't feel like. Um, I don't. I feel like it's an appropriate world. This the the sub world. There's so many films that come out that you you don't really feel uh, the necessity to see them right away. Uh, I'm completely uh, comfortable with watching them on an iPad. But but I can't wait. By the way, to see how iPad threes actually look how uh they're supposed to be better than 1080p they're saying that the resolution is going to be fantastic um so, sasha you have an ipad too do you have one mm-hmm. no? i'm not i don't know if i'm gonna buy the three i don't okay. know i might i might buy it just to see what's up but um but to see a film on that if to watch a film have you ever watched a feature film on an ipad too no have you thought about doing that? Does that seem like a, a comfortable way to watch it? As opposed, sure, it would be. But <clears throat> from my perspective, when I when I talk about this stuff with with you know about about the future of film, I'm also thinking about it in terms of the Oscars and the Oscar race, yeah. because what is that doesn't bode well for them because they need they're only they're stuck in one kind of mode and one kind of film that they like and that they want to award reward and they're trying to hold on to the old. And I feel the pull away from that um, is pretty strong. And therefore, I don't know what the future of the Oscars is going to be. I don't know what the future, um, if all the movies are going to start going online and being released video on demand, then they don't qualify for the Oscars anymore. So are they going to open it up and say that any movie released in any way will qualify for the Oscars, even if it's on HBO, even if it's um, video on demand, you know? Mm-hmm. I just don't know. Their, their rules are now you have to play in a theater. So will movies just do what documentaries do? Will they play for one week and then they'll head right to the online market? And then what does that do to the Oscars? It just makes them kind of pointless. The Oscars are uh, primarily about what people have seen at home anyway. It's all about screeners. Yeah. yeah who's going to see a movie these that's days right. amongst the Academy membership? Right, but theoretically, that's what it was designed to do, was drive people to the theaters to see the movies. It was made up as a hype machine for, for Hollywood film. And it's supposed to be Hollywood films, yeah. But it's not that anymore, obviously, because it, it plays. Is. Well, no, it we plays are, to such an. We're hyping the movies that that at least in their skewed judgment are the are the best uh, quality wise, and that's what's happening in every Oscar season. What do you mean? That's well, the... well, no, because I've been as long as I've been covering it, I've seen the race really change. I, I mean, the first year I did it was Gladiator and Crouching Tiger and. You know, these movies were movies that people in the world were going out to see in theaters and talking about. They were <clears throat> excited about these movies, you know, and even back in Traffic and Aaron Brockovich and, you know, even A Beautiful Mind and Lord of the Rings. You get to come all the way to this year and it's like the artist, no one's seen it. The Descendants, a few people saw it, you know. Moneyball, sure. You know, but it this year is such a huge difference from <clears throat> the year 2000, you know, yeah. that uh, it's shocking. And, you know, I've just been watching it that long, and I've watched it decline, and now I kind of see where it's going, and it makes me worried, and I wonder if it's making the Academy worried. Uh, you know, it's just an interesting discussion to be had. 
about the future of the Oscars. They should hold like some kind of symposium about it, you know, and start asking people what they think about where the Oscars are going. Because if they, if all the good stuff is going to start heading for TV, what are they going to have? You know, they're going to have movies like The Hunger Games, and they don't want to reward movies like that. Mm. You know, so on that depressing note. <laughs> <laughs> What's coming up next week, Phil? What what, what we got going on? I uh, mean, like the yeah. What's coming started. out? Anything interesting? Is it's just Hunger no. Games, right? And then yeah. the, the Wrath of the Titans, blah blah blah, uh. <laughs> <laughs> blah blah blah. <laughs> oh, yeah, nothing interesting. Yeah, so, it's all Hunger Games all the time. That's all I'm going to be talking about for the next. I don't know. Till, till Sunday afternoon. So, so the, the Hunger Games is this weekend, and then and then it's going to probably be like the next four weeks. It'll be the number one, right? Oh no, I don't think it'll stay number one that long. Uh, mm-hmm. At least two weekends, it'll be number one. I would think maybe three. Do you think we're looking at um, Dark Knight money? Mm, no, no, I'd be really surprised if that happened. Um, mm. It doesn't. It doesn't have that kind of. But. Later on in the, the second, third films, yeah, maybe. I, I wouldn't roll that out based on how strong this first one is. So. Yeah, okay. Um, all right, guys. Well, it's been nice right. talking to you. Yeah, thanks again. All right. And Jeff, do you want to stay go, on? So you're you're going to be singing a whole different tune when you go see this thing. I think we have to kind of um, – can we talk about it on Sunday and get back to our regular thing and, and have a uh, – discussion about the An actual uh, discussion about the quality of the film <laughs> uh yeah sure that means i have to see it yeah okay sure well, um, we're not planning on seeing it this week no i suppose i'll go i mean you know i'm nothing it really excites me all that much you know oscar season kind of chews me up and spits me out i'm just i get so sick of movies that um but i will I will um, make an effort, every effort I can, to see Hunger Games. I'm sure my I daughter I think it's will very, very important, as Francois Truffaut says, you know, the taste is the result of a thousand distastes. You really must cultivate distaste for many, many things. It, it really ripens and sharpens your appreciation of the good stuff when it comes along. Mm-hmm. Or you're exposed to the sludge and to the crap. Oh, no, believe me, I'm exposed plenty. Almost yeah. everything I see is bad. But I hate to waste my time like going to movies after the Oscar season. It really is good to go to that kind of January to April stuff because it really makes you. Uh, and then you know summer Some comes of it. Up escapism. So by the time August comes along, you're kind of really primed. You can't and like the 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 the, uh, the ecstasy really of Telluride and all that. It's really a. It, I can't wait for that period to come around. No, again. I see them. I just don't rush out to see them in the theater necessarily. I'll wait till they come to the. Um don't you think that for a major phenomenon like this, it would be interesting and, 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 and something worth talking about to sit with an audience? Yeah, except for I raised a 13-year-old, and I have to go see these kind of movies all the time when they come out, and they're always bad. And I always have to sit there and keep my eyes closed and say, when is this going to be over? <laughs> it's like the worst sex you've ever had, you know? <laughs> Please let this be over. I can't stand one more minute of this terrible film. So I've had my fill, believe me, and, and I'm sure I'll have to sit through this one. I hope it's just tiny bit good, you know? That it's tiny bit intelligent that I can just, um, you know, that I can I can um, get into worst, it. I was just thinking the worst sex you've ever had. Uh, that line in uh, Manhattan when uh, Mia Farrow's sister said, "You know, I had yeah. a 
orgasm, but my doctor said it was the wrong kind. And Woody Allen says, you know, the, the, I tell you, the worst orgasm I ever had in my life was right on the money. Yep. It's just totally, you know. <laughs> every orgasm right on the money every time. Yeah. So says the guy. <laughs> um, what do you think of that new title? Isn't that great? With To Roam With Love? Isn't that one of the lamest titles? It's totally like... You know, the producer, his sister, saying, you know, we made so much money with Midnight in Paris. We need another weird generic yeah. title like that yeah. just to draw in the say It's just like Midnight in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> You'll love it just as much. Yeah. But I don't, you know, I don't care. He needs to do what he can so he can keep making movies, you know, so... That's After money. All, Fred, Federico Fellini called one of his films Fellini's Roma. Uh, that's not a very uh, intriguing title, but I guess it's we. I guess people got through it. But I, I was. Um, I, I really love Bob DeCameron. It's a shame, but they. But uh, you know, talk about the the way the world is changing. People don't even know what Nero fiddles while Rome burns. They didn't even know what that means. Mm-mm, that's no. why they dropped it. You know. They'd be like, I don't want to see that. It's a Woody Allen movie. Did you see Midnight in Paris? I loved Midnight in Paris. <laughs> oh, that was a Woody Allen movie, too. It was. <laughs> did you so, get to talk to uh, Letty Aronson? Did you? I a- never did. I, I went over, drove all the way over there, and I got stuck in traffic. I couldn't get to the hotel, oh. but I really wanted to meet her. Okay. Um, but maybe this time I will for the next movie. Yeah. Um, but so your redesign looks really good, Jeff. It looks great. And I don't think it means you have to do more work. Everything he's set up is automated. You know, right. So it doesn't mean you're going to have to do anything extra. Well, there is there, like you say, there's um, uh, Sasha and I are talking about uh, a wireframe uh, mock-up that's been done by a guy that I know uh, named uh, Jean-Paul Tremblay, who's um, used to work for HBO and for Fox News, and he's a uh, excellent designer, and it's he really gives a nice sense of balance to this new thing. It's 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 important when you redesign a site is not to upset people by being too different you don't people don't like too much change no. they like some change but they don't they really get pissed off if you if you just throw the whole book out yeah i so. felt so bad because i was always telling david poland he needed to redesign his site and make movie city news more modern and then as soon as he did i couldn't read it anymore <laughs> so awful i just couldn't i couldn't get with the new design like it always bothered me it still does you know but um but I, th- I do think it's, you know, it's a good... Yours isn't changing. It doesn't look like it's going to change too much what the... Yeah. It's all it's going to do is sort of expand it a little bit more. It's still yeah. the same format. It's just that the single page where you leave the comment, all you ever do on Hollywood Elsewhere is you go and you read the article. You click on the link. That's you it. read the comments and you put the comments in. But he's got it now so that when you click the link and you read the page, there's other stuff to look at on that page, which means you don't necessarily lose your reader right after that comment. They might go somewhere else on your site. Yeah. yeah. And that's good. And he's got everything that you need right up front. He doesn't have, it looks like, any of the extra stuff that you have on there, though, like the other columnist and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if you still have them or if they still write for the site or what. No, no, no. Nobody does anything. Nobody does anything. Okay, so it's just you. Well, that works. Mm. I think it's good. I like it. I like how he set up the... Um, how it just looks like Hollywood elsewhere, but just widened a little bit, you know, with yeah. a little bit of extra stuff. He's utilizing the sidebars a little bit better. Phil, I'll send you the roughs. Would you? Oh, no, Phil's not on anymore. Oh, he left? Yeah. 
When did he leave? Did he a while go? back when I said goodbye. Started to oh. say goodbye. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, he's a busy man. I've got that, <laughs> uh, the idea. Is, uh, it's the the changeover uh, is happening to WordPress now as we speak. Mm-hmm. And I do want to um, have this uh, new design up and rolling. I don't want to be, you know, uh, refining it when I'm uh, when can begins. So mm-hmm. I want to have this all done by the end of next month. Cool. So. That's great. Yeah. And when do we find out about Can the lineup? When do they release that? They usually release it in not that much before, maybe late April sometime. Oh, okay. I mean, the the articles that have the spitball articles. I think they've been pretty much on the money, and they're probably going to, you know, mm-hmm. see Woody's film. We're going to probably see the Paul, Paul Thomas Anderson film, The Master, and you know, great. That's so exciting. Be, uh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, I could I could go back and retrieve one of those articles, but there's been two of them so far. I think IndieWire did a a kind of a wish list thing, and then um, it's uh, there's a lot of um, uh, good stuff. It it looks like to me, it's going to be a lot of. um, It's always fun. It's always stirring. It's always exciting. Yeah. Yeah, well, good. So we, we'll have something to talk about, and also as Oscar Poker, we won't we won't spend a whole podcast on one movie next time. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. promise. Well, oh, you know what I did see was um, <clears throat> I haven't yeah. seen any new movies, but I did see Mother and Child, that movie with Annette Bening, and uh, that is a really good movie. Yeah, no, I, I completely I was I was like off the ground in love with it, but then I didn't think it ended well. I don't. Uh, the ending was a little funky, but I tell you what, that movie sort of answers what everybody's problem was with this year. And it, it was good writing, I thought. Yeah. And really, really well acted, you know. Um, Jimmy Smith and, and Annette Benning were really good together. They I were thought. great. Annette Benning was just amazing. She's so good. And her, it was so different from her role in the other movie, Kids Are All Right. Like, she just played yeah. two totally different characters. And yeah. Carrie Washington was fantastic. And all of her all of her family, the, the one woman who played her mother and the girl, the girl who played the kid, you know, giving up her baby for adoption and how that turned out. And I loved the love affair between Samuel L. Jackson and Naomi Watts. I mean that was a really good movie. I'm I'm ashamed of myself that I didn't pick up on it when it was coming out because it really needed an advocate. It needed an Oscar advocate. It didn't have one. Yeah. It just sort of came and went and disappeared and nobody and that was a real a real shame. This yeah. year my goal is to try to keep an eye out for more movies like that, you know, to bring to the fore because if if they're going to, you know, if they're going to be so narrow-minded with their choices as they were last year, I think it's really important that People start giving them the benefit of the doubt, and that the sheep herders, the early, you know, yeah. predictors, quote unquote, um, you know, bringing in more of a diverse selection instead of oh, this is what Oscar is going to choose. So here you go, Oscar. Here's your Oscar movie. Here you go. You know, I'm not going to have a one-sided conversation, Jeff. No, I just typed <laughs> out just not. the thing. I was. I, I, uh, you know. All right, all right, okay. Well, I guess that means this is the end. Yeah. It was nice talking with you, so I'll see you this weekend, right? Without fail. So, okay. I'll get. I'll be in touch. All bye. right, darling. Thanks so much. I'll see you soon. Very good. Okay. Bye. bye. You've been listening to Oscar Poker 
with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com, Phil Contrino from BoxOffice.com, and Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter, at Oscar Podcast. And the bumper music was Live It Up, Teenage Wasteland by Alexander Ludwig and Museum of Broken Hearts by Chuck Prophet. Thanks for listening. They'll cast you out of marble. They'll cast you out of bronze. They'll make a broken heart look good as new. Some of them are permanent. Some have come and gone. Some are just too delicate to move in the museum. The museum of broken hearts in the museum. Yeah, the museum of broken hearts. A prison guard, a whore There's a virgin bride on her wedding day Anyone who's lost in love is welcome at the door Nobody is ever turned away From the museum Of the museum of broken hearts The museum Museum.